every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this start Come on around back, Arizona, 8 o'clock, Saturday morning, third Saturday of the month. We are joined by Jay Harford, talking anything about your landscape, garden, one 767 4348 That's one 888 Text questions can be sent to 411-923, or you can email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com if you need to snap a picture and send it to us for a little plant or insect identification. It is... Uh, such nice weather right now. You know, you gotta, you gotta really enjoy it. And so many people follow that up by saying, yeah, but you know what's coming. Don't worry about it. Well, it's not here yet. Nothing you can do about that anyway. Exactly. So you better soak it up. So and enjoy, get out and enjoy. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I mentioned to you when, when I came in, we were talking, you know, off air and I just said it, mid April is probably, I think my favorite time of year in here in the Valley. Cause everything's, you know, the landscape material, is all blooming. The the Palo Verdes are blooming. Ooh, the Ocotillas man. are blooming. Saguaros are budding. You know, you start to see little the little some of the hedgehogs and different uh, native cacti are are blooming. It's it, oleanders. I don't care what people say about oleanders, <laughs> but those great big hedges of oleanders that are in full bloom. Holy cow, they're magnificent. Um, and and so if you're new to Arizona, a hedgehog is not something you touch. Uh, no, probably not. Probably a good idea not to, you know, not to uh, pet them. Um, <laughs> but uh, so it's, yeah, the the temperatures this time of year from now to hopefully for a few weeks yet through through mid or late May when, it, you know, even 90, I call it 60-90 weather, you know, 90, high, 90 degrees high, 60 degree lows to me is, is perfect. You know, if I was going to live somewhere with a perfect climate that would be it for me i mean you can you can walk out in the morning with whatever you're wearing that day you don't need a jacket and you can be comfortable all day and into the evening when the sun goes down it's it's, it's just you know wonderful all day weather all day weather yeah it's 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 fantastic so and it's great weather for gardening too so which is what we're talking about this hour gardening and landscaping and we have a uh, text question that's already come in. Oh, we were going to get to this a little later, but sounds like somebody is planning their morning and wants to know, is, <laughs> uh, should they overseed the lawn right now? Well, I assume they mean changing from winter ryegrass I'm, into a summer yes, lawn. Yes, should we fertilize our overseeded lawn right now? Fertilize our overseeded lawn. Okay, well, no. Um Probably a little. You're wanting now the the winter lawn to start transitioning, um, and by the middle of next month, you want the ryegrass or the winter rye, the winter lawn, to pretty much be dead. Um, so now's the time of year you start mowing it a little shorter. You know, each week maybe lower that lawn mower a notch. Do not increase the water. I wouldn't take the water away from it yet. Um, but if you start lowering your mowing heights, don't increase the water, don't fertilize it. Um, here in a couple of weeks, it's inevitable we'll have maybe something close to 100 degrees or 
will we'll nudge it. That rye will start looking a little burnt up. In fact, I've noticed some of them already are starting to My stress out just a little that bit. That has no shade. Uh huh. Half of it's already burned up. Yeah. And my front lawn that's got a mulberry on each side is is just as green as the mulberry leaves are right now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you have a, a, a summer lawn, a Bermuda grass or hybrid Bermuda grass lawn underneath that ryegrass, it needs to start coming back. Um, and the longer you keep that ryegrass going, enabling it by watering more, fertilizing, that sort of thing, you're, you're going to start impacting and stressing the Bermuda grass underneath because it can't survive in dormancy for that long. It needs to wake up and come out and grow. So you need to eliminate the shade canopy that the ryegrass is providing. You need to eliminate the competition that the ryegrass roots are providing for water and nutrients. Um, and there's, there's, there's no real perfectly smooth way to do it. Um, but if you kind of start easing into it now, it, you know, it's, it, it, will, it will help. And then about, I usually figure about Mother's Day weekend, then I'll just almost literally scalp that ryegrass and maybe turn the water off for a few days or a week just to kind of really get it burn up. Get in there, dethatch, get rid of much of that fluff and dander and thatch of that ryegrass and open up some of that canopy for that Bermuda grass. Uh, then throw some fertilizer to it and, and kick your water up a little bit and should be on your way. So appreciate the text. Don't need to run out and grab any fertilizer. Just lower that. Well, you need fertilizer. Just not, don't do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for this morning. Go buy yeah, a bag just, of fertilizer and, <laughs> and store it for a little bit. <laughs> lower that lawn more bladed notch or two and mow it and you'll be good for now. It's it really is, you, you know, when we talk about water savings and summer versus winter lawns, it, it really does make a lot of sense what you've been saying for years to forget about the Bermuda. You know, <laughs> it's it's hot. Uh, you're not spending a lot of time out there in the summer anyway. Uh, when you're rolling it, it's a lot itchier than the rye. Mm-hmm. You, you know, if, if you want to have a lawn, forget about a summer one. Plant your winter rye, enjoy it for six, eight months, and it, it's the time of year you'd spend more time out on it anyway. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, well, I was repeating and, what and, you and, said. And, <laughs> and, and the ryegrass, a lot of winters, we didn't have it so much this winter, but a lot of winters, you know, you don't even have to water it. We get enough rain spaced out every week or two that there's been many a winter I've had the sprinkler controller shut off completely um so yeah if if you're looking at the concept of of xeriscaping in its purest form it's matching lifestyle with your landscape and if 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 you don't have kids uh, or pets you know the chances of you needing any grass anyway are not great uh, you know, so you know, what do you do on grass lawns? You play, you play ball. The dog, the the dogs in, enjoy it. They do it. You know, they need it to be cool and to have a place to do their business and that sort of thing. But um, you know, if you're if you're an empty nester and you don't have a dog and you don't have grandkids coming over and that sort of thing, then you don't need any grass or very much grass to begin with. It's pretty to look at, but there's a lot of things that are pretty to look at. 
So um, that's first step. Second step is when when are we using our you know what is our landscape for? I mean, is it for outdoor space for living? You know, in Arizona, we're fortunate enough that darn near year round we can be outside. Um, you know, doing living stuff. You know, cooking, enjoying the weather, swimming, that sort of thing. Um, so if if you're you know come July or August, even even so you get in the pool and you get out and you go inside. You know, you're not, <laughs> you're not hanging out in the backyard very darn much. And you just look at that green grass through the window. Well, if it's not getting used that time of year. It's, I don't know, it seems kind of silly to some degree. So um, I, I think it's a concept that needs to be considered. Well, we've stopped doing a backyard. Uh, there you go. A lot of places with code, with code uh, restrictions and code enforcement. And, you know, you, you might have a hard time <laughs> letting your front yard turn brown and i don't you know if i was living across the street from you i might not like it either um you know but that might be what artificial turf is for the front yard just saying and a great application (laughs) and it's come so far in its you know the last 20 years from the you know what it started out looking like indoor outdoor i was probably the biggest critic i mean we they they, (laughs) some people came to us early 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 on and wanted us to just when we had the nursery to be a distributor and install it. And I said, you, "Nobody's going to do that. <laughs> what the heck would you want with artificial turf? Blah blah blah." And the stuff wasn't that great to begin with. Um, it was certainly better than the astroturf we all called that stuff that you put on your apartment or condominium balcony. <laughs> but um, uh, I tell you what, I was I was uh, couldn't have been more wrong <laughs> when it came to how good it looks, uh, how applicable, applicable it is, uh, and, uh, and the amount of people that are installing it. Um, and, and I don't, um, don't blame them cause I have some, <laughs> <laughs> I confess front yard or backyard in the, fr- in the front, run. in the front. And it's an odd shape. We're, we live in a cul-de-sac, so it's a little bit of an odd shaped front yard anyway. And it has different, you know, it has some uh, roll to it. And so it was always kind of a funny, hard little thing to mow anyway. So, but it, it, for curb appeal, it needs some green, it need, you know, I, now if you live in a cul-de-sac with John J. Harper and he puts artificial lawn in the front yard, that's a clear sign. It's okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if John J. does it, it's okay. It's acceptable. It's stamped <laughs> of approval. Yeah. But you know, it, it it, it was one of those things like, uh, you know, somebody saying that uh, that Internet thing, that's never going to last. You know? <laughs> that's a fad. <laughs> I've been to some home shows and some artificial turf looks just like Bermuda because you can get it in one, two, three, four-inch blades. It's pretty amazing. Oh, it's, and they even have brown thatch woven into it, so it's not perfect. You know, it's got some really? little bit of brown yeah. down now in that it. I oh, haven't yeah. seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Authentic. Wow. It looks authentic. Yeah, so not a bad way to go. Not a bad way to go. And very water use-wise, you know, obviously you're not watering it regularly. Some people will install it with the sprinkler system. So over time, you know, especially if you have pets and dogs, even the way that they're designed to drain, sometimes you still need to. Well, it gets hot. Uh, you know, so it's, there are some applications that it's, it can be problematic because it is, it is hot. 
Um, so if you've got kids and pets, and it's and your son in your lawn is in full sun, you and you want them to play on it or walk on it, you probably need to cool it off. And if you have pets, obviously you need to wash it off. But um, yeah, it's not a zero water solution, but a much less water solution by you know probably ninety ninety five percent. For some folks, it's a good solution. Romy, when we were talking to the wolves, do you remember what they said was the hardest part about the staycation? They wouldn't open the Coyote Odie cookies in the car because they wanted to return it as clean to Sanderson Ford <laughs> as they got it. Uh-huh. They had to just stare at the basket of Coyote Odie cookies the whole drive to Lake Abzu. One, They said when they got there, the first thing they did is got out the car and ate those cookies. <laughs> Hmm. That's discipline. That's discipline. That was that two and a half, three hours all the way over to Havasu. <laughs> uh, if you are in the Southeast Valley, the Queen Creek Botanical Gardens, the newest botanical garden to the state, is having their first spring harvest sale this weekend. They've got a discount on edible plants and trees. And uh, they also have a lot of things going on for the entire family. Food trucks, petting zoos, canoe rides, train rides, lawn wow. games, fishing competition, farmer's market. It is uh, children, uh, let's see, 3 to 17, it's $8 online, uh, 10 at the door, and adults, 13 online, 15 at the door. We've got a listing in our event tab at rosyonthehouse.com. Almost forgot we had that thing after last year. There was uh, <laughs> blank for almost a year, but glad to see yeah. stuff finally populating again yes. in the events tab. <laughs> yes, very, very nice. A lot of stuff to do in Southeast Valley. Queen Creek Botanical Garden and Schneffs has still got their little carnival thing going. I think till the end of the month and peaches should be pretty close to not too far off. Um, uh, Steadfast Gardens, the Olive Mill, a lot of lot of kind of agri entertainment things in the Southeast Valley that are kind of fun. It is nice how they have developed that because it was you know farming lands from mm-hmm. the whole area and how. They've preserved some of that as yep. development has come in instead of just completely taking it all out. They've kind of infused them a little bit. Yeah, and if you haven't been out there, it, it is they, – they've done a good job. And then the the, uh, the master plan community of Eastmark that's developed, you know, with uh, much like uh, um, Agritopia also – uh, over there where they've kept a lot of open space and some farm community garden stuff and big, you know, big open areas for having some uh, <clears throat> hands-on things and some garden uh, things and the Queen Creek uh, Botanical Gardens and those things. It's very nice. It's very nice. So if you're looking for a little something to do this morning, that would be a great opportunity to uh, get plants. If you're looking at planting, what? Uh, there's really nothing we can't plant right now when it comes to trees. It might not be, you know, your garden, you're going to have a, a limited by the time the heat gets here and your harvest comes. Yeah, so we're transitioning into vegetable garden now to things like squashes and melons and cucumbers and eggplant and okra, those things that will tolerate, you know, the oncoming heat a little better. You're, you're pretty late for tomatoes, particularly peppers. Yeah. You know, you might be able to you can usually get peppers to go through the summer depending on your exposure. But, <clears throat> yeah, so we're in, in that kind of in-between mode 
in in the garden. So, yeah, be, if you've still got some space and you're looking to plant something, things more like melons and and uh, okra if you like it. <laughs> you gotta you gotta pickle it. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll get in trouble for that. <laughs> I mean, I'm a veg. I love vegetables, but it's the one, and I'll eat it. But it it isn't my favorite. But I do like eggplant, and it takes the heat just about as well. So, on your melons, I heard that uh, Del Monte completely pulled out of uh, melon farming completely. Well, Del Monte's completely out of the farming out, you know, in the Hyder Valley, um, you know, west of west of Phoenix, my understanding, they're they're gone. That's uh, what I was told last week too, or last month. And so that's a great opportunity to uh plant your own cantaloupe, your own honeydew. It's not coming from Harkwahala Valley forty miles, you know, past right. Wickenburg anymore. Right. Uh, the the Pearsons are still, you know, Santa Rosa is still growing lots of melons, I think, down by Maricopa. But um it's still pretty good melon growing country, but I'm not sure. I'm sure the Del Monte thing was an economic decision, but um, yeah. Now for uh, for melons, I mean, you need a pretty good patch of you ground. Do. You I mean, do. It, it's going to take some area, right? Or or you get real creative. They you can grow them on a trellis or a, a lattice work. I think that's brilliant. And uh, and surprisingly, even those some of those big heavy melons will hang there and. Stay on the vine, you know. So, yeah, if, you, if you're if you short of space, that's something to consider. Go vertical on your melons. Yep. <laughs> Our favorite thing with watermelons or cantaloupe or, you know, those those vines is you know, you're, you're water and you're out there and you're looking and you're like, man, nothing is growing. And you start peeling back and all of a sudden they're just how well the plant hides its fruit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you think you got nothing and then all of a sudden there's – 14 of them on there. You know, uh, you're talking about space, too. Uh, something to consider. Uh, you know, uh, Brian Blake that owns Whitfield Nurseries grows some watermelons out in Hyder. And he grows them underneath all his young citrus trees. He's got a citrus grove. Now it'll only work until those trees get mature and, and overshade the area. But while they're young and growing, you're watering that anyway. And he grows those melons in the tree well of of those lemon trees. It's a pretty cool idea. I bet you Farmer Greg likes that. <laughs> yeah. Two, two yeah. for one. Yep. Two for one. <laughs> one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. If you'd like to join the conversation, have questions about your landscape or garden here at Rosie on the house. We've talked a lot the last year just about what this has done for construction and the boom and surge we have, but we haven't talked a lot about what it's done for the garden industry. You know, there is a pretty uh, well-known seed brand that you see at a lot of your big box stores. That's uh, 150 plus years old. It may not always have the best seeds for the Southwest uh, in those places, but they had their largest year ever last year in seed sales of 150 year history mm-hmm. <laughs> wow mm-hmm. well that's true uh, 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 almost all the way through uh horticulture and 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 in some agriculture concerns it's uh it's crazy it's wild what's you know people have kind of gone back to basics and um you know they're growing gardens and 
you know, raising their own chickens and eggs. Yeah. And, I'm and, not going to remember the newsletter to give them credit, but I remember the statistic, and I just read it about two weeks ago, that they projected that there could be as many as 6 million new gardeners, active oh, I... vegetable gardeners in America. The surprising statistic <laughs> to that was 80% of the 6 million were millennials. That's that's not surprising. If you wow, if you go into a, a garden center today and just go and look around at the crowd that's in there, it's it's a younger younger crowd. And uh, <clears throat> well, that they, might uh, be a positive outcome of this last year, yeah. don't you think? Well, there you go. Yeah. We, we we're looking for anything we can to be positive, and that certainly is that 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 next generation who we were worried about. Just a couple of years ago, are we ever going to get them engaged? Are they ever going to own a home? They don't, you know. Uh, the trend was more to living in apartments and condos and and uh, the garage. And, yeah, or, or <laughs> well, not even, ever leaving. Even with that, <laughs> the basement. You know, when you Shipping look at containers. gardening all across the board with COVID, even if people were in apartments, they tended to go to house plants or maybe micro planting. Mm-hmm. You know, little herbs or little counter gardens. Um, Everything from potted plants to house plants. I mean, all across, everybody's wanting to grow things. I think a lot of that was just looking for something to do. You know, you're being locked at home. Let's let's try this. We have time now. And a lot of it had to do with food security. You know, could we do this if we had to? And how do you do it? The problem with that sort of thinking is that everybody's doing it at the same time. <laughs> you know, just looking at the different reports, you know, there were companies that absolutely you know, four, five, six, ten times what they're used to without the manpower to do it. So, yeah. you know, and then so what drove next was the education part. So if I can't buy seeds, how do I get them out of the stuff I already have? You know, how do I get them out of my tomatoes or my cucumber or whatever? Mm. I talked to Greg Peterson at the Urban Farm, and he said that they're um, four times, you know, four times the interest than, than normal. Mm-hmm. They do a great job at educating. I'm just throwing up on Facebook some links for people who are interested in getting garden okay. going. Water Use It Wisely, uh, Farms Choice, our local Hickman fertilizer. I'm putting that link up there. Uh, urban Farm Classes, and there's also a gardening schedule from Greg Peterson. So just tons of good information out there if you're, if you're interested. Well, I'll tell you what's driving me to my garden. You know, John, you've been my garden counselor and tutor for <laughs> 20 years, and I've never impressed you. And, that, and, and that's <laughs> Well, I haven't been invited to come see your and, garden in a long time. And, that, so. and that's fair. But I, what I, drives I me— I can be bribed. <laughs> what drives me uh, to my garden now— is daily news, <laughs> or the or escaping the daily? It, that's news? exactly what it the is. Retreat. It, I'm gonna go out there and I'm I'm gonna te- I want to hear what the tomatoes have to say today. Uh-huh. I want to see how that artichoke is doing. I want to grab two handfuls of sweet peas and get out there and just enjoy it. But now for these millennials, who we were told five years ago they will never buy a home, right? Now they're the home buying's biggest surge. What, how would you coach them into, okay, That's a great question. Your, your yard is a blank slate, and if you're interested in providing some of your own homegrown vegetables, where do you even, how do you get that started? Well, that's, that's a great question. The first thing I would do is, 
is start small. <laughs> you don't start with your half your backyard. I mean, especially if you're a first-time homeowner, maybe r- relatively newly married, and you know you've got all of this. You're learning how to own a house. You know, the, there's other stuff going on in the house, like the sinks leaking, and yeah. uh, you know, and 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 stuff like that. So. Don't take on more than, you know, you can chew because I think that's the, the number one thing that drives people away from gardening at the end is, oh, it's too much work. <clears throat> I don't have time. You know, that sort of thing. So start small. You, what do you really like? Do you really like tomatoes? Do you really like bell pepper? What do you really like? And grow three or four or five tomato plants and just do it well. And And I would probably start with a... Some type of container garden, some type okay. of raised garden, a big pot. Don't go little. I see that the mistake in that is people buying these cute little six or eight inch pots and trying to grow stuff in them. Those are fine for flowers or succulents or something like that, but they're too hard to keep watered and, and the plants can't get big enough. Even if it's a get, get great big, I sent you a picture of my mom and dad's garden, didn't I? Mm-hmm, just you did. a big old black I- nursery containers that we grow trees and shrubs in they make wonderful uh vegetable gardens and they're big enough that you can grow a a tomato plant in or maybe a some green onions or that sort of thing so i would i would start small i would start with some type of container so you can just go buy some good potting soil don't mess with you know our our soil here is a challenge so until you really get the thing down, I would probably avoid going to the soil. Now, if you've got a great big garden, economically, it can get a little expensive to be buying lots of potting soil and lots of containers or building things. You might want to go back to the ground. But master doing this first. Small, above ground, some type of container, good potting soil. And find a good, don't put it in too much shade or too much sun. Maybe someplace that gets a little combination of shade and sun. Um, and, and, and do it at the right time. You know, people come in in June and they've got the gardening bug and they want to plant a tomato plant. It's too late, you know? So pay attention to what time of year it is and what you should be planting. And, and that's, that's how I would advise them to start. I tell you, Jennifer and I are tempted to move from the home we've been in for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that's got me reluctant to move is what that garden soil is now. I finally have it. I finally, yeah. It's yeah. taken me 20 years to get <laughs> soil. and But when I when we do, it's all going to be when we do move. And I start a new garden, and I will. Uh, I won't plant anything on the property that I don't eat. Not There won't be anything on that lot that isn't edible. But it's going to be raised planters. I'm not going to start from scratch and try and make the soil mm-hmm. what, what it needs to be. Uh, I'm going to do masonry raised planters. I'm going to run an irrigation system into every one of them, uh, and I'm I'm going to import the soil. And mm-hmm. so I got it from the get go, and I don't have to wait five, eight, nine, ten years to enhance it. The other thing you need to you need to and and I neglected you know buy good potting soil, but you also need to add nutrients. You know you are in these above ground gardens. You're watering more frequently. You're leaching out nutrients. The, the best potting soils in the world don't have a lot of nutrients in them. They're, uh-huh. they're a great growing medium, 
But, you know, so you need to – I had a consulted with some folks the other day that thought they needed to take everything out and start all over because the soil. And I said, well, what did you buy? And I found out what they had bought, and it was from a reputable soil company here in town. I said, well, there's nothing wrong with your soil. You just don't have any fertilizer in it. You need you need to feed it and get some nutrients in that soil. So feed them feed it regularly you continue to provide whether whether it's organic or you're buying something and mixing it with water I, I don't i don't really care what you do all fertilizers work but you got to use them for them to work so um, and use appropriately because well over fertilizer can burn them up when really all else quick. fails follow directions you know no. as I say. <laughs> this might be a good uh idea to introduce square foot gardening yeah, the square foot garden kits. You can buy a, you know, you can buy a pre-made kit and fill it full of soil and buy a little bit of fertilizer and buy your plants. And I think they even have little planograms for those as to what what can go in what spots. Again, Phoenix is different than a lot of places, though, from a timing standpoint. Don't try and plant tomato plants Memorial Day, you know. Um, so just pay attention to to timing. And the best tip in all of that that y'all said is, is plant what you like to eat. And because do, yes. When you, <laughs> if you are successful, you might have a lot of it. <laughs> I, I, I have tried squash many different ways, and I still can't find a way that I enjoy it. Is that right? And it grows uh, so well. Yeah. And you end up with all the stuff, and everyone's like, okay, great. We've got all this great produce, and, and we're, we're composting it. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's not good. I mean, obviously, that's not the intent for it. So yeah, plant. It's like when people want to buy a citrus tree, but what should I buy? Well, what do you like to eat? Mm-hmm. Do you like oranges? Do you like tangerines? Do you like grapefruit? Because you're going to get a lot of it. So plant what you like to eat. Yeah, especially on the citrus side of things, I. We try very hard to get to all the. <laughs> citrus before it goes bad and it stays good on the tree for a month long time yep. and we still can't you know we've got lemons still on the tree and from last year's harvest mm-hmm. and, and they're blooming again. and then it's, it's already blooming yeah <laughs> you you just can't keep up should i take all those old melons off to let the tree uh, or is it done the tree. okay it's not taking any nutrients nope. away from the next harvest not at all not at all so yeah. My, they're kind of pretty hanging there, if nothing else. You know, yellow's color in the tree. So My middle daughter sent me a sign mm-hmm. to hang in my garden. Yep. And uh, that, that when I get home at 536 every evening, my first lap is I go out to the garden and I just pick a handful of sweet peas. I check my artichoke and my tomatoes and my basil and my onions. But the sign says, planting a garden proves you believe in tomorrow. That's true. You have to have faith and hope <laughs> to be a gardener or a farmer. Even if you know? you've grown that lone tomato, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what a, yeah, there's, you know, hey, look, it's, you know, it's tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, and gardening is great therapy, and it's also great exercise. So as we're finding out um, through this COVID crisis that some of the people who were the most affected by it were people who happened to be maybe overweight or inactive. or And one of the best remedies for COVID is doggone vitamin. To get out in the sunshine yeah. 
and fresh air and move a little bit. Um, so garden, there are not many better activities than you can do than gardening to do that. You know, it doesn't matter what you do in your garden, landscape, lawn, anything outside. When you start doing something, the one thing that always happens is weeds just start to populate from everywhere. That disturbed ground, it's, it's, I mean, as soon as you touch it, <laughs> you, your lifelong battle with weeds starts. And that's what Scott has called in to talk about, uh, trying to get goat heads out of his lawn. Welcome to the program, Scott. Oh, thanks. I didn't even know what they were called. So this is the uh, second summer we've been in our home, and around this time of year, we start getting these, I don't know, kind of clover-looking things that just have these arms that grow out of my winter grass, and as the um, gets hotter, they dry up, and then they turn into those thorn things in the backyard, and I just, I didn't know if it's uh, time to completely remove all the grass out of my backyard and start new. It's probably about 20-year-old grass, or if there's something to get rid of these things. Well, getting rid of the grass might not get rid of them. Um, you know, it's a it's a annual pervasive weed that, um, you know, what that little thing with the sharp barbed heads on it is the seed pod, um, and it just gets. That's how they get scattered. They attach themselves onto something and get drug around and scattered. And you know, by mowing them, you break them and and reseed them. So, if you're planting a winter lawn. After your winter lawn is established next fall, I would recommend using a pre-emergent herbicide. That will help some. But you can also, because it's a broad-leafed plant and not a monocot, it's not a grass, you can use a post-emergent selective herbicide on that without killing your, your ryegrass. And as you see them starting to sprout and grow, you know, you can spot treat them or you can spray the whole yard, whatever, with a broadleaf weed killer and and keep those at bay. So the combination of using a pre-emergent after your winter lawn is established and then spot treating them, you know, after a season or two, you you should be able to eliminate those. Should I should oh. I bring him a, a cup of the MSMA that's been sitting in my garden well, shed need, for about 10 years? He doesn't actually need MSMA. <laughs> okay. He just needs a, you know, a broadleaf like, you know, 2,4-D or Trimac or, you know, something like that, that will actually, because it's a different uh, genetic plant, it's a broadleaf weed, you can spray and kill that without hurting the grassy bladed grass, as long as you use it at the right, you know, dilution rate. And, I'll, and Scott, I'll give you a tip of uh, what I do at my house and what I recommend a lot of my clients do that are trying to maintain their TIF lawn. I call a man by the name of Ray Lopez at Scottsdale Weed Control, and I put him on an annual management agreement where he just manages my lawn. And I want to tell you, uh, it will tra- your yard under Ray's care will look like a golf course. His phone number is 480-941-9471. You can find him at rosieonthehouse.com under Weed Control. Scottsdale Weed Control, Ray Lopez. His magic juice changes formulas <laughs> by the by the season, but whatever's in there, 
if you if you want to delegate your lawn control care to somebody, raise the guy. There you go. And they also do artificial turf as well. We were yes, talking about that at the beginning of uh, the broadcast is the applications for artificial turf versus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a living lawn. He put so my front yard in. Mm-hmm. If you're, yeah. uh, you know, you, you could do both, you know, a little artificial turf in the front, living lawn in the back, whatever the case may be. He can help with both of those. And it's one of those things that you really personally, or I guess I should say uh, in my journey, weed killers was always something that was just a waste of money it's like you know when you're looking at your budget and everything when you realize how much of your personal time you spend battling it 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 pays for itself Uh, and time especially pre-emergent if you can get on a good pre-emergent program and and just prevent any weeds from growing that'll just add hours or days to your discretionary time and pre-emergent in a lawn is much different than pre-emergent on on decomposed granite. I mean, you're watering the lawn constantly. You what what would you pre-emerge your lawn with? And it really needs to be done about every two months, doesn't it? Well, probably more than twice a year. Yeah, uh, but certainly uh, there's some granular applications uh, of, of ones that you can put on with a lawn spreader, just like you're fertilizing your lawn. In fact, you can buy some that are that are combined with lawn fertilizers. I'm not a big fan of combination fertilizer weed killer products because they generally don't have very good concentrations of the weed killer product in them, um, and I think it's kind of an expensive way to do it. But you can buy granular products that can go on in a little whirly bird or a push spreader or whatever, and then you're already watering the lawn, so that solves the problem of watering it in. The biggest challenge, if you have large expanses of rock or gravel yards and you're trying to put a pre-emergent on it, then how do you get it watered in? Um, which can, you know, can be sometimes hard to do. It get a lot of hose out there, <laughs> out there watering it in good. Hopefully you can time it just prior to a rain event. Knock on wood, we'd have one of We're those. We're going to get some. Come on, yeah. Come on, baby. <laughs> but uh, come on. the prediction's some. there. So, yeah. Um, pre-emergence, fabulous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't stress it enough. Yeah, you you, you take your time and your and, and your savings, and I mean it, it's a matter of a half a day. It, it's paid for itself, and just the quality of not life of not having to go out there. There's so many other things to do in the garden other than oh, weed. You don't need yeah, to. Yeah, absolutely. When you're talking about gardening and exercising, the weeding side of it doesn't have to be there. <laughs> There's plenty it's of other good things. good exercise, but that's about <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs>